where are we going? Uh, doesn't matter. What counts is that you're my buddy. <laughs> my day didn't start off too well. We be looking for ya. Are we jumpy tonight? And then, it got worse. We're here. And then... Gentlemen, I give you Katrina. You're just what I'm looking for. Why'd you pick on us? It was a mistake. It was a little error there, a little communication error. I'm sorry. Uh-oh. Let's just get out of here. This is not really happening. Hello, baby. God, you look awful. What happened to you? I was nearly hung. I got into a fight with a psychotic albino. I hit a cockroach, my best friend disappeared, and then I'm nearly assassinated by a runaway elevator. Anyone can have an off night? Lab, a comedy with bite. survived the fourth i've got all my fingers yeah <laughs> uh it's it's you know it's funny if we had to explain this because you know we have a lot of listeners around the world if we had to explain the fourth of july like with the original meanings of it yeah and then uh you know the origin of this holiday and then what it's devolved into it's like then you see a pattern Every holiday we got has devolved from something else into either binge drinking or exploding things. Yeah, I don't know if holidays so much devolved into binge drinking as if they've always been about binge drinking. (laughs) That could be. And you know, when you steal all of your uh, religious holidays from pagan holidays, then uh, the drinking's going to find its way in. True. That's, That's just a thing. Listeners. You didn't tune in for this. You tuned in to hear some guys talk about a horror movie, right? <laughs> well, uh, you're listening to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We're a podcast where we three friends get together and talk about a horror movie, which we will spoil. We will also talk about Recently Watched, which we will try to not spoil. And uh, we're not professional critics. We're just three friends who draw stuff and we like horror movies and other things. And... Um, we thank the Moonrays for giving us cre- Let's do that again. God damn it, come out of those up-tempo songs. Um, thank you to the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. 
You can find their music on Amazon or Apple Music where you could buy it digitally and say hello to them on Facebook where they are the Moon Dash Rays. It's it's worth saying a second time. We're not professional critics. Yes. I'm Richard. I'm here with Will. Hello. And Jolian. Good morning. All right. So we're back. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, the 1986 film Vamp. But in the meantime, recently watched. What do you guys got? How's your, how's your past... Uh, time been since we recorded um, I, I just watched a couple of things uh we've been watching uh, doctor who uh i bought uh tom baker's season for uh my wife's birthday and it's uh it's when the tom baker series was going into the gothic horror stuff oh yeah um it is at the top of his game uh, so that's been fun to watch nice that's great and uh, in terms of movies i just saw uh Aswang. Uh, which is a 1994 film. It's an American movie, but it's about a Filipino vampire. Oh. Um, it's a pretty low budget, but uh, they worked on the script, as we, as we often say. <laughs> uh, it doesn't cost any anything more to work on the script, no matter what your budget is. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is an interesting story. This, this woman is contracted by a rich family the Null family, and uh, who have some connections with the Philippines, you know, they've, they've got estates there or something. Yeah. And um, uh, she's been contracted by this family to bear them a child so that they will inherit this land, these uh, um, orchards around their home in America. Um, and according to the will, they have to have an heir, but they can't have a child for some reason. So she's kind of brought in quietly and um, made to stay at the home and, and breed and uh, um, something even darker is going on which you find out and of course it involves a Filipino vampire wow alright uh, it gets pretty gory it's, uh, it definitely wears its um, Sam Raimi influences on its sleeve and uh, it's got really unique vampire attack scene I've never seen <laughs> anything quite like this. All right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so you get to see some things you don't, don't usually see. It's, uh, uh, I thought it was pretty well done. Well, cool. That's one, A-S-W-A-N-G. Where is it available? Is it available? <laughs> is, this from your, is this from your private library of obscure things? Yeah, I just made it up, actually. <laughs> hey, I liked it. <laughs> yeah. And then there's this... One part where this woman's sitting in a rocking chair and all these crows land. Yeah, uh, we should explain um, that uh, when I was a kid, uh, I'm not old enough to go and see the, the horror movies. Uh, the neighbor from across the street who was a little older would come over and, and he'd, he'd give us the rundown of what was going on in the horror movies we'd see advertised. And uh, uh, it turned out that it had nothing to do. He obviously hadn't seen them either. Yeah, but um, he came out with some good scenarios. So like the one I remember was for the Omen, um, <laughs> where there's uh, the trailer is a, an old lady in a rocking chair, and all these crows come down, and then when they fly off, she's disappeared. Yeah, so, that's that's a good visual. Yeah, not in the movie at all, but yeah, I, I want someone to put that in a movie now. Yeah. <laughs> Who is this kid, and why is he not writing stuff? I mean, he's an, obviously an adult now, but. Yeah, um, probably in prison. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, 
be watching uh, Ultraman Taro, and uh, also uh, I watched uh, Tales of Frankenstein. So Hammer Films did this um, pilot in the late fifties for a TV show. Oh really? Show, which didn't pan out. Yeah. Um, so the first episode is is a, uh, can I talk to you about a Frankenstein story? That's fine. You're allowed. Um, so this one is Anton Differing as the good doctor. Okay. Uh, Bob McGowan as the creature. Um, the, basically, uh, yeah, the, the course of the show is this uh, couple rocks up to his, his castle because they've heard that he's bringing the dead back to life. He denies everything. But uh, uh, her husband is, like, uh, uh, seriously ill, and she thinks that he can save him. And uh, what she doesn't know here is he's also after a good brain. Ooh. So it kind of works uh, out. Yeah. It's a win-win. <laughs> but uh, it, it obviously, you know, they've, they've, used, uh, they've used some sets. And, yeah. You know, they've got some good lab sets and a graveyard and so on. Wow. I didn't know they had tried to foray into TV. Yeah. And they introduce it and they use clips from... Um, other shows like uh, Inner Sanctum, they have that head in the oh, okay. glass, and uh, so they obviously haven't worked everything out yet. Yeah, but they have this to show investors, uh, and they use um, uh, library music, including a couple of cues you recognise from uh, Night of the Living Dead. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, this is only like half an hour long, so yeah, it, it's probably on YouTube. Cool. That's, that's it. Uh, Will, you have anything new from since last Not time? Not really. Uh, Discovery, some Clarkson's Farm. That's about it. Yeah. All right, I'll go. Um, because last time I was. I, 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 sorry, but go ahead. The head of on the radio uh, in the last couple of weeks about that show. Mm-hmm. Because the you know he he's he's plonked himself down in the middle of one of the most beautiful yeah spots in the earth. And of course, he's got loads of fans. So there are these massive traffic snarls in oh, these God. country roads, and the, the locals really hate it. Oh, I imagine because they're well. They show on one. He opens a little farm shop, uh, and there's just this line of cars that's miles and miles long, and then they're pulling into like a dirt lot and just tearing everything up. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine the neighbors are pretty upset with him for a lot of things. Yeah, sometimes neighbors just don't have a sense of humor about your antics. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, you're living in this tiny little village in the Cotswolds and some asshole comes and buys up all the land and then proceeds to, you know, run big bulldozers around and explosions and whatnot. And yeah. Yeah, he's kind of a jerk. Yeah, it's like he's living his best life, but it really kind of stomps all over yours. Yeah. And all your... He, uh, his problem is that he's really impulsive, and he does not plan. <laughs> so he goes out like this episode we watched, he wanted to put up boxes for owls on uh, big telephone poles. And... He and this farmer that he's roped into helping him, this kid is like 23, um, they spend like all day trying to get this telephone pole up. They finally get it up. It's crooked. 
<laughs> and they forgot to put the owl box on top. Oh, no. So it's like, oh, and they've torn up this field. He went out to dig a pond because he wants to be an environmentalist. So he goes out and tears up the land to save the land. I don't know. The land was doing just fine yeah. before he tore it up, right? Exactly. So you need a place for mosquitoes to breed. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. I don't know if they have mosquitoes in England. Do they? Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's hard to escape them. I mean, they're... Just... Yeah, I think, actually, they're probably everywhere. I'm pretty sure they Antarctica. are. Antarctica. Yeah. Well, um, I completed my... Uh, well, I, I'm I'm gonna say I'm, I'm I've gone as far as I'm gonna go with my uh, Silence of the Lambs dive, because uh, we finished watching Clarice the last two episodes, including a a cliffhanger that fortunately wasn't um, too typically cliffhangery, uh, but it wrapped up that season very nicely, and um, I was pleased with it. I remember talking about Manhunter last time. And how Brian Cox had done a really good job as Hannibal Lecter. And and that was kind of on my mind. And it's also a movie from 1986. And I felt like... I want to I'm sorry, I think you mean 1997? 90, did I say 86? Yeah, 97. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, this is... Uh, uh, I like how it's described in Wikipedia. It's a neo-noir psychological thriller. Uh, written and directed by Michael Mann, who you know, was well known for his Miami vice sort of, uh, uh, vibe. You know, he, he, he gave that look and feel to stuff in the eighties. Um, the bright colors and the stark, you know, colorful lighting and the way he would frame things. Uh, you could tell it was his work when you would see it. Uh, different of course, when he did things like last of the Mohicans, but um, Manhunter, uh, really great on the rewatch. Man, why wasn't Last of the Mohicans a neo-noir it should have been. psychological yeah. thriller? Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like bright pink robes and whatnot. Uh, yeah, this one is, uh, is really kind of interesting that uh, you've got this criminal profiler from the FBI, uh, Will Graham, who is out uh, trying to figure out uh, he retired after being attacked by Hannibal Lecter, you know, and he's trying to put some pieces together and solve some, uh, some mysteries and, uh, and you just go along and it's, a it's, it's really just, uh, culminates with the, uh, well, do I want to spoil the ending? It's a, it's a recently watched, not our main movie, but, uh, you, you, you finally get the main character and the main villain, the protagonist and the villain together for a really crazy scene, which includes uh, Inagata DeVita by Iron Butterfly and a lot of flashing light and crazy stuff going on. I'm trying to picture how this would have gone if it were cast with some of the main characters, because this was uh, William Peterson, um, who you know from uh, the uh, CSI crime scene investigation show. Um where his character's not that different from his Will Graham character. And so it just works. He plays Grissom. Um, anyway, they considered Richard Gere, Mel Gibson, and Paul Newman for the role. Which I, I'm trying well, to picture... Paul like, Newman obviously would have knocked it out of the park. Well, Paul Newman knocked everything out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be his first neo-noir. No. no. Yeah, that... 
so yeah it's it's really kind of interesting um uh but uh, michael mann cast um william peterson after seeing him in to live and die in la where it's him going after willem dafoe the counterfeiter it's such a great movie like i, I i'm gonna probably watch that one soon if it's not behind a yeah, huge paywall Oh, really nice. And he, I think that's one of them. Is it? Yeah, that's totally worth a look. Yeah, um, Willem Dafoe is just unhinged. He cares more about making good-looking counterfeit money than he does care about getting the money from the fake money. It seems. It's like, it's no good! And he's like all naked throwing it in the fire. It's just bizarre. Anyway, so that uh, that's probably going to be one of my next ones, and that's really it for me on recently watched uh, and uh, Vamp. Um, this uh, stars Grace Jones. Uh, well, it stars Chris Makepeace, Sandy Barron, Robert Russler, Dee Dee Pfeiffer, Getty Watanabe, and Grace Jones. Now, Getty, whose real name is Gary, um, interesting dude. He did a lot of this stuff that does not age well, you know, see Long Duck Dong. And he, he, he doesn't do the accent, though, does he? He does not in this. Yeah, this uh, one wasn't, they didn't play him up as like yeah, the, he's just, a nerdy. he's just a nerdy guy who's not well liked, but can buy friends. Yeah. But yeah, thankfully I kept waiting. Like when he, when I saw his name, I was like, oh no, oh no. <laughs> not one of these. Um, he was in the store. I was going to say. You want, you want to tell the story? Uh, I don't remember much about it except that he came into the store. That's yeah. I don't remember what he was looking for or what he was up to or well, anything. But I, I could tell you my ahead. account because yeah. I didn't meet him. But I saw him from a distance um, and I did check his credit card receipt to be sure that it was actually him, but I could tell it was him. Yeah. Uh, I was standing somewhere in, in the central part of the store and uh, our coworker Andy came up came up to me. He goes, "Hey man, Long Duck Dong is in the pencil aisle." <laughs> I was like, "What?" And I said, "What? Some Asian dude is in the pencil aisle?" And he goes, "No man, it's Long Duck Dong." And I was like, "All right." And so yeah, I just kind of racist. I, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. So I did a casual flyby and went, "Oh shit, that is him." <laughs> and we've had a bunch of different celebrities. That I mean, it's a big art supply store. And yeah. And, uh, you know, people hear about it. And if they make art at all, they want to go in there. And over the years, we did have some celebrities just pop in and some who were locals. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, it's him. So Andy goes and uh, prints out a picture of Getty with uh, an Elvis impersonator and then has him autograph it. Yeah. It's just like a, it's just a black and white printout from a crappy printer at work. And uh, after he was done checking out, I went up to the registers because I was a manager and I could open a drawer and I had a look at his uh, credit card slip and it was him. But uh, yeah, so that's, I, I think I have more details, but that'll, that'll do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, Robert Russler is one I told you guys my story about meeting him at, uh, at uh, Flashback Weekend in Chicago. Hmm. It, was, it was the year that they brought all the people from Phantasm. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, I remember now. Yeah, and I was right across from a uh, couple of, of the actors from Hellraiser, Barbie Wilde and uh, um, what's it? Nicholas Vince, who played the Chatterer. So female Cenobite from Hellraiser 2 and the Chatterer. 
and uh, uh, Tracy Lords comes up to me and says, hey, I saw Barbie looking at that, that piece there. If she doesn't buy it, I want it. And I said, oh, that one. And it was Crystal Blue Abduction, which is the flying saucer abducting the RV from Breaking Bad. And I said, well, it's, a, it's, a, it's an addition. You can own one, too. So she buys it, and I uh, wrapped it for her and was bringing it over to her table. And Robert Russler is standing there and turns to me and says, do you mind? I'm trying to talk to Tracy Lords." And uh, I could kind of read that he was joking with me. And I said, what are you going to do, dump an Icy on my head? And he kind of, he liked how quick I was. And he, he laughed and said, uh, yeah, I could, but it'll cost you 150 bucks. <laughs> so he's, he's pretty sharp. He's, All right. Yeah, he's funny. Um, he's on a bunch of those episodes of uh, Horror's Hallowed Grounds. Mm. Yeah, because he's you know friends with the guy who makes it. And uh, so he's been in a bunch of stuff. He grew up in the whole Hollywood scene. His dad was, was, in, was into... Uh, uh, the behind-the-scenes stuff, if I remember right. Uh, he was like one of the union guys. I don't know if he was a truck driver or set you know, set builder or what, but uh, he grew up in it and then uh, decided to try acting. And he's a nice-looking dude, and he's he's kind of a natural at acting. You know, you kind of believe his whatever bullshit his character's up to, and, and he kind of drives this, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I picked this because I hadn't seen it in forever. And it's, it's got this terrific character Grace Jones plays. And I thought, let's revisit this. So that's my long-winded um, lead-in to saying, we watched Vamp. And Jolene, what did you think? Uh, yeah, I saw it ages ago as well. And how was the rewatch for you? Uh, it's pretty much as I remembered it. Um, I, I didn't find it funny, but then I didn't. 80s American horror comedies I'm not a big fan of. And I know people love Ghostbusters and, and great, but I never found it funny. I never laughed once. How about Fright Night? Fright Night, I like. Yeah. That, that's interesting. So it's hit or miss. And it's got a good cast and everything. Yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, this one, I never found it one thing or the other. And um, I didn't particularly like the lead characters. Uh, I'm not for in the cast, but um, just these privileged white. <laughs> uh, and and the the, uh, the the main thing with this movie is like Grace Jones turns up way too early. Yeah, and doesn't turn up much after that. Yeah, it's like I just want to watch her. Yeah, yeah, I kind of want to watch her like show up when you're not expecting her, like. You know, the lighting changes or she emerges from the shadows or something. I want that, and you don't get that. Yeah, it's like she, she's obviously some kind of ancient Egyptian vampire. Yeah. Down on her luck or something. I want to watch her story. I don't care if they get into a frown or... Yeah. Yeah, what did you think of the opening scene of of the of the guys, you know, in that stupid cult thing? Frats always sound so they really yeah. do, don't they? Did you ever... You were on campuses with frats. I was on campus with frats, but I was never in a frat. I was lucky they didn't have the Greek system where I went to college, so we, we didn't have that nonsense. But, uh, yeah, I've had some friends who went on to further education and uh, 
one of them did join one and he said that it was in his experience the initiation wasn't terrible it did involve a lot of binge drinking and uh and a little bit of humiliation but he said mainly it was just uh just making you clear a couple of hurdles to show that you know that you're uh interested and dedicated to getting in and uh he said that there's a good support system that that kind of goes with it after you're done with college like, sure yeah you know that sounds like maybe that's the big takeaway from yeah that's the big thing yeah yeah so you get people yep 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 yeah so there's that um but overall this this is not this is not a hit for the hit or miss 80s american horror comedies no not for you will how was your rewatch i'm guessing this was a rewatch uh i don't remember i remember the box and Uh i remember grace jones but i don't remember the rest of the movie so it probably is a rewatch because i felt the same this time around was like yeah this movie's not gonna stick i'm not gonna remember any of this no this is uh kind of dull I did uh, I did uh, make a comment when Grace Jones came out, um, the chair she was in and the body paint. I was like, wow, somebody loves Keith Haring. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> so I was so delighted to see that it was Keith Haring actually worked on this film. Oh, yeah. So this great- that was my positive the review of this movie <laughs> yeah that you know there are some great behind the scenes um or, or i should say making of uh still photos of keith herring painting uh grace jones oh really oh yeah yeah it's great um and he's i had to explain this to this young woman at work who's in her mid-20s um that uh, we were watching this movie and it had this great scene because she she digs the graffiti artists but doesn't necessarily know some of the ancient history of graffiti art yeah as i like to refer to it um but i did tell her that well keith herring had this very distinctive uh style and you can't miss it once you know it and you see it or you see someone imitate it uh it's clearly him when you see it and she's like i'm not sure i know who you're talking about and so i and i said oh and he's so like unassuming looking as far as like this guy who's stealthily sneaking through the subway systems in New York, doing these big pieces and running from the cops. And he's just like this bookish little light bulb head nerd with wire rim glasses. Mm-hmm. I mean, all he would have to do would be like walk into a crowd and stand still. And you wouldn't think he's the graffiti guy. And, but he was a badass. He really was. I mean, he, yeah, he, I was telling Eugenia that when, I was a kid and you'd see Keith Haring. Uh, I hated him. <laughs> I hated his art so much. Uh, but learning more about him, I like his art a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. And he was definitely I, an activist. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I think I just had to learn what he was trying to accomplish. Yeah. And, and he, uh, yeah, he's pretty cool. Yeah, he did like the anti-crack ads, the crack is whack mm-hmm. ads that were. I remember the anti-apartheid ads. Oh yeah. Big. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, he uh, and he did end up dying from AIDS, which was very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but those were the hazards of uh, life in the '80s, you know, among other things, 
vampires being another one. Um, Do you think vampires were a stand-in for AIDS? I wondered that sometimes uh, years later. At the mm. time, it never occurred to me, but... Um, they definitely are in some movies, but other movies you can, you can, you can decide that that's what they represent because they're often portrayed as a disease. Right. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they weren't consciously made to represent that in that particular movie. But right. Yeah, it would be interesting to, you know, someone who is uh, more well-versed in this stuff to maybe do a, a, a study in, into, like, what movies accomplished it without knowing it or meant to do, you know, th- that sort of a meaning. But Because I do the opposite, and I, I've said before in this show, is Kids is a vampire movie. Yeah, you have yeah. said that. Uh-huh. AIDS is, a, is you know... The disease he's spreading, but it's it. He's a vampire. He's feeding on young women. Yeah. So. Yeah, he's just a, a sneaky creep that feeds on young women. You're right. Yeah. So. Yeah, that. You that know, m- and it it had the same sort of moral panic around that movie, that like Dracula did the book. Yeah. You know, it was oh foreigners are gonna come sleep with our women. This is you know, this kid's gonna come sleep with our virginal daughters and give them AIDS. Right. So. And and there are no there there's no representation of parents. No. In the kids in, yeah. the, in the movie Kids. Which, you know. Yeah, it's kind of I mean that came out in the 90s, but definitely in the 80s growing up, you your parents weren't around a whole lot. Yeah. You were on your own quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um Yeah, we've all we've all done our time as latchkey kids of one sort or another, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're like, here you go. And then you're calling him. You're like, I'm burning the car up. I'm trapped in Denver. (laughs) Oh, man, that must have been quite the phone call for those kids. Man. Oh, Uh, I hope it was a borrowed car. Oh, yeah, mom's car. Oh, man, mom's new car. We burnt it up with fireworks. Burnt it to the ground. Oh, man. Um, Okay, now... Whenever we hit one of these movies where it's like, okay, nobody liked it. Like, I, I liked it. I was entertained by uh, the, the silliness of it. And, uh, yeah, there were, there were bits and pieces that, were, that worked. What did work? I'll ask you, Jolie. What worked for you in this? Uh, uh, well, Grace Jones. Obviously. Um, I like the scene where he's, uh, at one point, they, they actually leave that one room <laughs> and they go they go into the streets and uh you don't know who's a vampire and who's not and they're in this they, they their car is spun out and it's as if they've gone into another dimension yeah the, the the darker side of la and um uh they end up in this hotel i think it's the hotel the is the desk guy the one from blade runner anyway don't know he gets he, he gets separated out and uh, he gets stuck in the doorway of a lift. Yeah. And uh, there's this music going in the lift and, and the lift starts going up, of course, and he's going to get decapitated. And uh, they could have had the chintzy 80s score that they have in the rest of the movie, but they don't. They just leave it with the music. Exactly, yes. So that's, that's going while he's in terror of being killed. I thought that was that was the best bit of... Uh, suspenseful filmmaking that yeah that scene really just has you you know 
on the edge of your seat and uh, the music, I think I recognize it as the theme that they use for Always Sunny in Philadelphia or something very similar to it. Mm. I would ha- I would have to, you know, play one than the other to really say. Yeah. But uh, for listeners who are familiar with that show, it it was either that piece or one that sounded a lot like it. And that's the weird, easy listening stuff that you could probably license that stuff pretty easily these days if you were making something. Because there's so much of it they made in the 50s and 60s. Yeah. And probably even into the 70s. Like when you went into a grocery store or an elevator, you heard that stuff. Oh my God. Yeah, that was into the 90s. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, There was a Muzak factory in uh, Seattle that uh, the guys from Mud Honey worked for. Oh my God, really? And they would use like the tapes after, you know, after making the tapes they would make their own tapes on the machinery oh and whatnot. yeah that's that's pretty badass actually yeah um i have to say okay since we're talking about what we liked and didn't like about the movie um roger ebert was still alive when uh, the famous critic uh, was still alive when uh, this came out and he gave this movie two out of four stars and uh the quote here is uh it had some funny lines and the relationships and the relationship between the human kid and his best friend who becomes the vampire, Robert Russell's character uh, is handled with a lot of original twists, but the movie finally descends as so many films do these days to one of these assembly line endings made up of fights and chases. He's not wrong about that last part. Um, no. I don't know about the original twists. Uh, I kind of feel like most of it was fairly tropey. Uh, the girl not saying how she knew the guy, mm-hmm. uh, I found that to be kind of interesting because I thought maybe she just sort of was a late bloomer and they didn't really pay attention to her because maybe she was a nerdy kid or an under, yeah, that's underclassman. Yeah, I was thinking, or somebody's little sister. Yeah, little sister or underclassman, one, one of those things. You know, yeah. like a grade or two behind you and you don't notice them. But uh, they briefly met on vacation playing spin the bottle i guess okay yeah and he he uh the bottle points at someone called moose that she found repulsive yeah that's right he nudged it so that it didn't yeah so it pointed at him instead of moose so that was kind of not adorable enough for how adorable it was trying to be but she was still i liked her character she had she was pretty good sassy character Mm -hmm. Um, I liked her, uh, uh, the, the main, the main characters, um, Keith and AJ, uh, that's Chris Makepeace and, uh, Robert Russell's characters. They're on this really stupid mission to start with. They drove how many hours with the rich kid in his car to just go hire a stripper? Yeah. Evidently hiring a stripper was really monumental task in the eighties. It seems like it, right? Yeah. Anything that objectified women uh, and seems to be super commonplace was hard to get a hold of if you were in high school or college. Like, I guess. Like uh, prostitutes and strippers were just out of reach, so you had to drive 200 miles or whatever they said. Were there no cities closer? I guess. Do they tell us it's LA? Where were they? They say they're on a campus in the middle of nowhere, but you don't know. Uh, okay. Is that Nevada? 
Yeah, I mean, it's L.A. at the end. I, right. I recognize it. They don't say. They don't ever say it's L.A., but it's clearly L.A. to us. Yeah. I mean, are we supposed to think it's Kansas City? No. Okay, because I, I don't think it's Kansas City. No, <laughs> I don't think so. I think you're supposed to think that it's L.A. So, yeah, there are, I don't know, Barstow? Bar, yeah, who knows? Bakersfield? Yeah, Fresno? Fresno, that's where they're from, Fresno. Yeah, so, uh, Vacaville, <coughs> Vacaville. <laughs> that's where Charles Manson was. Yeah. Yeah. In the prison, in the prison next door to the college. Yeah. <laughs> that's gotta be weird. Oh, it's not anymore. Um, so, uh, yeah, there, there this is not super unique as far as the storyline, right? I mean, uh, I was trying to think of this at the time, like how, what other vampire movies were right before this? Because I can name two that came right after it. That were one was pretty popular. The other we we've forgotten. But yeah, so you're talking about the Lost Boys and, and Near Dark? Yes. Yeah, like this was definitely uh, the heyday of American vampire movies. Of yeah, the, it seemed of, like a real resurgent there, resurgence there in the yeah, mid '80s for sure. So. In that way, I was trying to think, like, how would these jokes land? Would these jokes be fresh, or would they already be kind of stale? And I I think they'd be kind of stale. I don't think, I don't really know what the twists were that Roger Ebert is talking about. But perhaps it's just, you know, almost 40 years of movies after this that I can't really yeah. view that anymore. And it's all still hit or miss. Like when a vampire movie comes out and you decide you're interested in seeing it or you're actually excited to see it, uh, is it going to deliver? And there's a, usually a pretty good chance it's not. I mean, if we're being honest, right? Uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's, Stoker's <laughs> Dracula is probably the <laughs> last vampire movie I looked forward to. The last one I really liked was... Um yeah, yeah, I really like that one. Okay. Yeah, and that's a Jim Jarmusch movie, and, and it's just such a different approach and such a different set of problems to be solved or wandered through. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> wandered through is perfect. Yeah, yeah. That, Fine, uh, from Dust Till Dawn took a similar situation. Yes, yeah. and I was, I was mentally comparing that bar to this bar. Oh, yeah. And this bar seemed like Grandpa's VFW buddies went down to the Paper Tiger on a Tuesday afternoon because it's prime rib day. Yep. And the legacy class of strippers is, you know, yeah. <laughs> coming out of mothballs to, to yep. play up the 2, 2 p.m. crowd. Yeah. There were some really bored, unsexy-looking women. Yeah. Not that they were unsexy, but they just didn't look sexy at the time. Yeah, like they, and they look so bored. Especially the last lady. She goes out and it looks like she's just completed a twelve-hour shift at you know the hospital or something, and now she has to go strip. That is yes. One hand, that is some. No, uh, although they do get points for realism i suppose yep 
at the same time, I found that they were very sort of puritanical and uh, uh, mundane, sort of. They, they're vampires, but, like, nobody's really getting naked. One, I saw one lady, Susan, who had to take her top off because she drew the short straw that week. Right. At the Paper Tiger. Uh, Paper Tiger used to be a strip club here. I just love the name. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Even in um, Grace Jones's scene where she's doing an act, uh, it's not much for striptease because she's got that one piece. Yeah. She just takes it off. That's it. (laughs) That's it. And then she, I I love that she lays across the the arms of the Keith Haring chair and she just kind of shakes. And you go, yeah, she came up with that herself because no screenwriter would have written that in. Yeah. chair was molded on uh, Dolph Lundgren. Oh, really? Boyfriend at the time. Oh, wow. And there is a uh, a, a little Robert Russler story I have for you because I listened to him on uh, a podcast where he was talking about this particular movie kind of briefly. He said that Dolph Lundgren heard that... Uh, he had slept with his girlfriend, Grace Jones, and wanted to kick his ass. And uh, Robert Russell was like, no, I didn't. Not that I don't find her attractive, but dude, I don't want Dolph Lundgren kicking my ass. He played the big scary Russian in the Rocky movie. You know, you can, yeah. you can get a good look at how he throws a punch and how muscular he is. And yeah, you don't want that. But he said... Uh, he had a great time making this movie. It was really fun. It was one of his first movies, if not his very first movie. And I guess one of the stunt drivers, uh, who I've mentioned before, Buddy Joe Hooker, took him for a uh, a very crazy ride in the car. He's like, oh, well, I'm going to be doing the driving for your scene, so uh, let's go for a ride. And I guess he just scared the living hell out of him. Because this is the kind of guy who could do like the the thing where you take the car and you do the, the big J hook and, and spin then it around, spin it around and then land it in a parking space. Oh, and then man. every, everybody gets out looking like they just shit themselves. Like that is the, the driver who he's riding with. And so he said he had a really like crazy first or second day, whatever it was on set. Nice. Yeah. So yeah, there was some, you know, car chase stuff, some crazy driving, uh, a band of people, or I should say a group of people who you think are vampires who are not. Billy Drago. Yeah. Um, what is Billy Drago from? Why do I know him? The Untouchables. Uh-huh. Um, he's been in a lot of yeah. things. Yeah, that's the that's the crazy part. Like, I, It's like I know this guy, but I don't know what I know him from. He's got that face. Yeah, he's the guy they throw off the building and the untouchables. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, Man, that's a movie I loved as a kid, and now I just... It's just not hold up. Okay, well, I'm warned. Yeah. If I get tempted to rewatch it. It's got good scenes, but some of it is just like, wow, why did I find this entertaining? This is so... Uh, I mean, I ended, I, I'm entertained in another way now because everybody's just chewing the scenery so much. Yeah. Yay, we said the name of the show. We can stop. <laughs> All right. Till next week. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> we have to have a bell for when we do that. Yeah. Um, so here, okay, so 
when you talk about the tropes of, of a movie like this, like the things we've seen before, the things we've seen since, I thought of a movie that does it better, okay, where the friend gets turned into a vampire and then, you know, the other friend has to try and help him along and they're doing that, that hokey bit at the end where he's... My best friend is a vampire? Well, yeah, there's that one. Uh, Fright Night is one, but um, Shaun of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Um, Ed gets turned into a zombie, and uh, Sean accommodates him and stays best friends with him. Yeah. Yeah, okay. It's only 20 years after this, right? Yeah. Ish. You know, like maybe 16 or 18 years after this. But uh, what did work for you, Will? The lighting. The lighting was gorgeous. Yeah. The Grace Jones was gorgeous. Yeah, that was great. That kind of lighting up for because it's the same wherever they went. That, it, <laughs> it did become a little, right. a little much because, yeah, it was yeah. the same lighting the same way in every scene. Yeah. It was always like, you know, purple and the green background. You know, it was always the same sides, everything. Um, so, yeah, although I liked those colors and I thought it was good lighting, it was way overused. Um, I just felt like the bar was just the most boring bar you could ever go to. Yeah, three quarters of the movie is spent there, I so. Strip bar, I just don't get it. You go somewhere and you pay to oh, something and not touch it. Certainly. I always, you know, said it was like going to the Denny's and just looking at the menu and leaving your money and going. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, I've never really found the whole idea of strip clubs appealing. But if I was making a movie with a strip club in it, you better believe it's going to be lively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because you're watching a movie. I don't want a real depressing, the actual Paper Tiger on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Unless I'm making a very different movie. Yeah, I kind of I think the same thing. Like, um, strip club, how do you screw that up? You know, that should be the easiest thing to figure out how to build the sets, how to decorate the sets, how to cast the situation. Uh, but yet so many movies get it wrong or I don't know, like uh, they have like uh, restraints or restrictions that they have to deal with. Like uh, if they're supposed to be taking their clothes off, why are they not taking their clothes off? Because they're serving alcohol. Oh, yes, you're right, you're right. I think the movie that does it worse than this one is uh, Verotica. Oh, well, yeah, it does everything worse than this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, from uh, from start to finish. Verotica. Oh, my goodness. Wait till his his new movie comes out. Is that not available yet? I don't know. I feel like maybe it is and we just don't know because no one cares. We'll have to go look. Glenn Danzig, please keep making movies. Please. Please. Collaborate with Rob Zombie, please. I hear Glenn Danzig's making an Adams Family movie. <laughs> Sounds like that would be a perfect companion piece. <laughs> oh, man, that would be good. Oh. I'd watch that twice. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, um, we get we get some tropes in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the things that worked for me the most, I would say... Would be you know some some of the stuff between the friends is is funny and and you you kind of you get the feeling that they're they really care about each other as friends, and the the girl that they meet up with in the club is is really cute and funny you know her whole bit her whole shtick of 
she seems like very in control of her own destiny and, and blithely unaware of the danger all around her. And she doesn't seem to be terribly concerned about it uh, or terribly aware of it, although it's in front of her. So that's pretty neat. But the Grace Jones scene, the, you know, her performance uh, on stage is just great to watch. That looks like, yeah, you don't cast Grace Jones and tell her this is what's happening. And then you are going to like decide how the costume is going to look, decide how the dance is going to go. No, she's done all that. Obviously, if you've ever seen any performance footage of her, yeah, you know, this is, this was easy for her. Um, but the scenes later where she's just in the dressing room kind of hissing and, you know, yeah. Did she not want any lines of dialogue? Did they not want to pay her? She didn't want to. Oh, okay. Yeah, she wanted to do a kind of silent movie vampire. Hadn't mm. she already been in the the Conan movie? Um, uh, yeah, the year before Conan the Destroyer. Yeah, she had. Uh, yeah, that was eighty four, wasn't it? Yeah, she had lines she'd in that. Been in View to a Kill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. She'd been doing movies since the. Yeah, early she's 70s. Yeah. been in a lot of things. I just thought it was odd that she didn't speak in this, but yeah, that, that really makes it not her choice. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. She gets the worst flood at the end of the movie. Yes. Did you see that? <laughs> yes. There are two big flubs in this, and I will bring up uh, that one first. When her arm, uh, skeletalized arm, raises up and flips off the the kids. Yeah. You can see the crew member holding her arm. Yeah, that's pretty great camera. Boo. Um, the other one is... I thought you were going to say the thumb was on the wrong side, but... No, okay. not quite. Um, the other one is they're in a dressing room and there's this pink neon like rectangle on top of a dresser. Okay. And at least I was wondering, what is that? What is going on? And in the scene, uh, AJ leans down and he's like, look, I don't even have a reflection in the mirror, but it's clearly just a piece of neon tubing that goes above the, the dresser. And they have it pulled out so you can see behind it. And at one point, the Keith or whatever, uh, he walks behind it. And you can see through uh, what's supposed to be the mirror. Yeah, it was so bad. I don't uh, know what they were doing there. Uh, they were probably like, are we going to reshoot this? Nah, just keep it. Although Vamps had a worse mirror effect <laughs> where they took, uh, they obviously just took a picture of what was in the mirror without Alicia Silverstone and okay. then put it behind the glass, like blew it up and put it behind the glass and it looked pixelated. Oh no. It looked like a big shitty photograph because it's not moving. You can tell instantly when it's a photograph on yeah. film. Yeah. Um, even though you think you shouldn't be able to, but oh, God, there's nothing moving funny. there. Oh, so bad. So, um, the, uh, the old vampires who are working at the club, um, dreaming about Vegas and eating cockroaches and all that stuff. They, they look very much like what I would expect things that are off the strip in Vegas, you know, some real crappy old timey clubs, real old school stuff. That's kind of what I would expect too. (laughs) Right. Um, that was a strip club down from my grandfather's house. I could tell. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, that's a very common name for a strip club, apparently. Cause I, it looks I know- so sleazy. Uh, yeah. It was endless fascination, though, as a child. Like, what's going on in there? 
Oh, it's this building with no windows. Nothing good, kid. Yeah. You don't want to know. Sadness. Sadness <laughs> is going on in there. Yeah. <laughs> From the front door to the window is nothing but sadness. Uh, yeah. The, you know, I have to tell you guys, I've only been in those kind of clubs, I think, twice? Maybe three times? And it was always somebody else's trip that landed me there. Mm-hmm. One time I was drinking with some friends in college and they were like, yeah, yeah, this one time, blah, 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 ha, ha, ha. And then I'm just take a sip and went, yeah, I've never been in one. Oh, that's it. We're going right now. And I was like, oh, no, no, come on now. Really? I, I was lying. I've been in several. Yeah. Grew just, up in one. My just, mom's a stripper. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. She's a former nun and she became a stripper. Anyway, I ended up in one and I just didn't know what to do with myself inside the imagination of a 14 year old boy, <laughs> which is what the place was. I mean, if, if you could like make up all the rules and you're 14 and a, hor- and a horny idiot, that's what a strip club is or a really sad version of, you know, like what an old man would think of. I don't know. Yeah. So there's that. But, um, uh, this never really gets off the ground with the stripper stuff and uh, the, the, the peril of being chased by the weird gang that aren't vampires or the actual vampires who have hired garbage truck drivers to ram vehicles, all that stuff. It's just typical. Like, they, don't, they didn't need to put that in there. A foot chase would have been better. Just leave the, the weird garbage truck stuff out of it. Yeah. But all in all, it ends up being kind of funny and kind of fun. And, and uh, uh, everywhere that it misses, I kind of feel like it makes up for it and being kind of silly or stupid in another way. So No, it was largely boring and uh, most of the jokes didn't land. Four minutes over the barn's limit. <sighs> yeah. Uh, if it, I was looking at the timer on this one. Were you? Yeah, I was waiting for this one to end because it seemed to go on. A long time. But you could feel it rounding third and heading for home. No, it seemed like it was spinning its wheels since act one and didn't know what it was doing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was just fucking around and wasting my time. (laughs) I was kind of entertained. I hope that's on poster. (laughs) A movie that fucks around and wastes your time. Roger (laughs) Ebert. We should start making fake posters. <laughs> Jesus, go! What the fuck kind of piece of garbage was this? Uh, Richard Roper, I would rather hit myself in the head with a hammer than watch this stupid movie. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was entertained by it, which tells you that I'm just not as smart as Will. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe it's just watching a a mid '80s vampire movie and. Middle of the day on a Sunday is probably not the best time. Fair enough. Uh, watch Near Dark if you're going to do that. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Hell, I'd watch Lost Boys. Yeah. Before I'd watch this again. Yeah, I'll watch Lost Boys again. I know I will. I mean, it, there's just, it's unavoidable. Um, Jolene, do you, uh, how do you feel about the recommend on this one? No. no? Just. You can probably find the Grace Jones scene on. YouTube. Yeah. Just watch that. Find a documentary on Keith Haring. Yeah. And watch that. Oh, man, please do. Because, uh, yeah, the the man was a a 
titan in that world and so many people don't know his name anymore or know his name and don't know his art but yeah keith herring super important um i watched a whole documentary about grace jones which was very interesting and you get to see a lot of performance footage oh nice more crazy stuff like where does she get these hats and how do they get to the shows intact <laughs> they look like i liked her hat in this yeah she had that wire yeah, that whole crazy thing. thing. Yeah, that looked kind of Jack Kirby. Yeah. So, will recommend? No. <laughs> to anybody? No. Ever? And maybe if you're watching vampire comedies and you've you've got to get through them all, you've you've run out of other ones and you need another one. Yeah. Okay. Um, I recommended. Uh, because it's so stupid and colorful and i was entertained now the tropey stuff the very eye-rolly tropey stuff i was just like okay maybe that's just of its time but you know i i, I give it a pass uh, for for its shortcomings and and i say give it a look horror fans it's not gonna scare you it's it's not gonna Entertain. It's not going to entertain <laughs> you or make you laugh, make you think. It might be kind of sad because of some of the strippers, but they're on screen so little that oh, you, got you nothing probably to, forget. You got nothing to worry about. Um, but if you like a movie set in a clean sewer, yeah, yeah, man, you could eat down there. Oh man, yeah, they'd look cleaner than the bar they were in. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, um, and uh, burning the bar down with brandy. Oh, now I'm starting to think Shaun of the Dead just stole a bunch of gimmicks from this. Oh, maybe. Yeah, using flammable yeah, spirits. Yeah, I forgot about that. Damn. Anyway, yeah, I, I, rec- Although, I recommend it. But He should have ordered, like, Bacardi 151. Yeah. Because there was a box of it there. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh, it has bats on it. Oh, see? And it's, it's really flammable, so... Oh, yeah, and they quit making it, by the way. Did they? But, don't worry, listeners, you can still buy overproofed rum. Yeah. There are plenty of other brands that have 150 or 151 proof. Whew. Yeah, you're good. That's don't rough. Uh, it's, it's strictly... I have a bottle of it strictly for setting drinks on fire. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not 18. I don't need to do shots. No. Well, I'm not saying I never do a shot, but I'm not drinking that flammable shit. Yeah. You're lucky it doesn't drop through the other side of you and burn a hole in the floor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, um, do we know what we're watching for next time? No, I have to pick something. I wanted to watch... uh, Oh, we're watching the shark movie, aren't we? Do we we want to do shark exploitation next time? Sure, why not? It's still summer. Mm Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people think it's still the 4th of July if you hear the fireworks in the neighborhood here. Let's do shark exploitation then. Okay. Let's try and find, what, two or three mostly Italian shark movies? <laughs> Jaws ripoffs? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, let's go Italian shark. Italian shark <clears throat> movies. <laughs> yeah. Be warned. Yeah. They do kill actual sharks in some of these movies. Oh, yeah. yeah, we'll we'll give a, a trigger warning at the beginning of our show yeah. then. Tell you which ones and what scenes. We won't kill it. We won't, we won't be no. killing sharks. And these movies were made over 40 years ago, so those sharks would probably be dead by now anyway. <laughs> they would have died of old age or something they ate. Yeah. yeah. That's our ethical. That's, yeah. 
All right. Well, should we call it a show? Old murder's fine, I guess. <laughs> New murder is not New okay. murder, no. No, but, you know, over 40 years? Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. <laughs> should we call it a show, you guys? <laughs> uh, sometimes I wonder about myself. <laughs> uh, All right. All right. Listeners, thank you for listening. Stay out of the sewers. <laughs>